Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm joined by my co-host and brother from another mother, Corey BMTG. How's it going, bro? Bro, I am doing so very good. I'm glad you took a breath there at the end. That was a that was a long winded <laughs> intro. <laughs> no, I'm doing so good though. Just being done with the Zendikar Rising Championship, relaxing a little bit. Life life is good, man. Yeah, last week was a lot of work, uh, multiple really days was. of prep for you and play <laughs> for me, but uh, it's over, and today we get to kind of uh, decompress from that tournament, and... and congratulate you for a sick top eight, bro. Woo, woo. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, and then we're going to be moving into talking about the Arena Open and what to be played in Historic and all of that, but before we yeah. do any of that... Uh, we do have to let everyone listen to this on a social media platform that you can also find and follow this podcast on Poppy and iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. That is right. Mm-hmm. You can and also find this podcast. Of the blah, 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 blah. You can also find this podcast sneaking in on breakers into the Zendikar Rising Championship as well. <laughs> that is right, because we have a very special guest this week, and our special guest is not only a member of the Magic Pro League, but also has at least eight wins in the MPL League and won at least two matches in the most recent Zendikar Rising Championship. Also, another tidbit, their favorite color combination is Esper. Oh. Can you guess who it is? It's got to be BBD. That sounds like my man. No, it's none other than Andrea Mangucci. What oh. is up, Mangu? Hello, everyone. It's an honor and a privilege to be the special guest of the Bash Bros podcast. Every Thank uh, you so much, Andrea. How are you doing? Every week, I you know take uh, take a long walk, listen to this beautiful <laughs> podcast, and I wonder, can one day the, the special guest be me? And uh, today, thankfully, the answer is yes. Yes, it's me. Your dream has finally came true, man. How does it feel? Is everything you would dream that this podcast could be? Definitely, yeah. You know, <laughs> like, talking about talking about movies that I cannot understand. Jokes that I cannot understand, <laughs> and you know, just, uh, just uh, yeah, all the all the best, all the best magic talking, the strategics, and etc. Yeah. Well, you fit into oh. the rest of our audience then, if you if you don't get half of it. That's that's what we go for is getting our audience to at least know half of the stuff we talk about. And well, funnily enough, we've lost half of our audience in the last six months. <laughs> that can't be a coincidence. That can't be a coincidence. <laughs> Now, before we actually get into it, and yes, Andrea Mangucci also top aided the the Zendikar Rising Championship with me, and we're going to be talking about that tournament. Um, all three of us had a big part in that. Uh, but before we do that, uh, this podcast is also, uh, what is the fucking branding again? Um, the official <laughs> podcast of MTG Melee, what? that's right. <laughs> the company that you work with closely. Impressive, oh, yeah, bro. I'm an owner of this uh, this this wonderful <laughs> website, and we are the official podcast of it. And I just want to go through a couple of the upcoming events uh, in December here. And we're going to start off with the Star City Games 5K Keldime, like Road to Keldime Championship Qualifier. This weekend, it's historic, just like the Arena Open. So the flights start on Friday. There's four mm -hmm. on Friday and four on Saturday. And if you go 4-2 or better, you will qualify for the Sunday tournament that offers 5K and prizes. And also the winner will be qualified for the called Time Championship. And the uh, 2nd through 12th will automatically not have to worry about top 1,200 in Mythic and go right into the next month's Call Time 
championship qualifier. And yeah. think if you go and you qualify for this tournament and then you sneak in on breakers, you too could be the special guest on the Bash Bros podcast. And so that is worth true. Playing. And I want to <laughs> add that uh, the, the winner of the last weekend Star City Game qualifier is my my good friend and teammate Tian Famun, who streams under Upumpa89, who won with Esper Doom, going 12-1 yes. in the tournament. So I saw that. Yeah, dominated. And, you know, me and you, Manguchi, share the love for Esper Doom. So I immediately started playing that list, and it was it was nice. Yeah. Every, yeah, it's, every, a, it's a very well-tuned deck list. It is, time, yeah. Every time I tuned on his stream, he was playing as Gruul, and was beating it every single and time. just smashing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a very Love that stream. I think he played it like seven times. <laughs> wow. Yeah, oh, and awesome. honestly, especially even after this weekend with Autumn crushing it with Gruel, I can imagine that's probably how the ladder looks right now. Yeah, even the finals was against Ari Lax, uh, who also played a uh, uh, Autumn's final, all the Autumn's lists. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I think Esper is a very good choice moving forward in standard, uh, and that and that's a deck you could play in the Game Den Standard One K presented by Pinnacle this Saturday at nine a.m. Uh, PST, there's uh, a 1K by Game Den. Uh, so go take a look at that now. If nice you transition, bro. Us, yeah, and if you're following us <laughs> on one of our platforms, it'll be in the show notes, uh, a link to this tournament so you can sign up the $25 entry uh, for a, a a cash prize of 1K to the uh, top eight with a scaling price set. So the more Damn. people that play, the higher the prizes will get. So go take a look at that. That'll be a lot of fun. And then last but not least, on December 20th, the NRG series is coming to a close for 2020 with their $2,500 showdown. Now, this tournament is really cool because first place will also uh, qualify for the call time qualifier weekend. Um, or actually, no, the first place will qualify for the call time championship and the rest of the top eight gets into the qualifier weekend as well. $2,500 in prizes, but this is also a pretty legit tournament with Coverage and a multi-format. It's legacy and modern. So for you, Eternal Excuse uh, me? fans, yes, it is a multi-format tournament for legacy and modern. So wow. uh, this feels like a very sweaty, grindery tournament. Like anyone that likes these older formats wants to wants to qualify for the Call Time Championship and uh, wants to, you know, get into and be a part of their coverage. Uh, this will be an awesome one. So I'm going to be taking a look at that. Hell, I might even consider playing it uh Brad, do you even remember you know, your had... login info for magic online at this point oh god no and i have so <laughs> many accounts luck like I, I i have no idea but I, I might have to look into it get some decks built and try it out i haven't played modern or legacy forever but yeah. i heard i can still play omnoth and modern which is cool you can still do that but this sounds great for you andrea you still uh you still are loving legacy right yeah just today i recorded a legacy beta for channel fireball uh, before before <laughs> this this podcast i definitely nice. enjoy both formats a lot I when when the store were open, I got to play them a lot, like on a weekly base, and I really miss that. It's just one of the things I can't wait to go back to. You know, the 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 two formats. I do play online, but yeah, that's definitely it's uh, not the same. Yeah, I saw you. Uh, I, I saw you top eight with like humans, right? When um, yeah. like everything with COVID went down, and you guys yeah. got to play events yeah, for a little bit. Like it, it was just like this very strange where like we had a, a <laughs> tiny little break where we had like zero cases for a bunch of weeks and uh, yeah. so like everybody went nuts and now that's why we just come back all of a sudden <laughs> yeah uh, see in the us it's a little different here uh <laughs> nobody just gave a fuck ever so uh, you know it's just all been the same yeah so, yeah 
Just yes. chaos, mostly, but... Yeah, I love, I, love, I love to play humans, but I believe that, as Brad said, Omnath deck is probably the best one, the four-color one. Yeah, see, I'm a big fan of Modern as well. I do not touch a Brainstorm because I just do not know how to play that card at all in Legacy, but I love me some Modern uh, Omnath Uro shenanigans. You might well, I just I just can't believe that they allowed for that Mystic Sanctuary to stay around. That, that land just... I don't play a lot with it, but it seems so messed up. Yeah, it's good, it but there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of things messed up, like yeah, Upso spells. You know, like, it's just oh yeah, it's, that's a deck. It's, yeah, it's a, modern is just a very degenerate format. Now you have force of negation as well, so it's it feels really very much like legacy. Where at the end of the day, the fair decks always like are better, but you know the unfair decks can really do very many unfair things. Exactly, and it's really tough to be prepared for every super unfair deck. Like, you can have a good match against, like, the Prowess decks or, you know, Tron, but you you don't beat the Amulet decks or something like that, you know? It's really hard to prepare for everything, which just makes it really fun and fresh to play. But I've been playing so much Standard and Historic, like both of you guys getting ready for this tournament, that it's probably been a month since I've played good old Modern, so maybe I have to uh, dip my toes in this as well. Yeah, there's, like, so yeah. so fun that, like, Sodak is, like, this, uh, this Modern, player modern streamer that keeps on winning challenge mm -hmm. every weekend with a total different unfair strategy like he won with ad nauseum then with the hammer deck the mono white with the that puts the hammer oh god and the then 2020 <laughs> thing yeah and then it, it won oh my uh, god. Uh, this weekend with dredge so like three total different combo deck that you know they this is uh, <laughs> that, like just, wild they just three fuck you decks basically yeah, but they receive like different hates so it's so difficult to like pre get prepared and like he won with oops spells as well it's just very very, very difficult to just be wow. prepared to every of this different uh, unfair decks yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have to look into uh some of those decks and maybe play this but yes december 20th cool. legacy and modern energy series 2500 in prizes and first place will qualify for the call time championship all right so now we can actually <coughs> talk about the zendikar rising championship the Bash Bros Podcast is proudly sponsored by BCW Supplies. BCW offers great products at an even better price. From their Elite 2 sleeves to the DeckBot line, you're sure to get an amazing product. I've been using their sleeves and deck boxes for the last year, and let me tell you, bro, their durability is unparalleled. Well, if you're interested in trying them out yourselves, you can go to bcwsupplies.com and order today. BCW Supplies. Protect. Store. Display. Slogans. Marketing. Magic. Wow. Uh, yes. Which, uh, Corey, you commentated all weekend. Bra by the way, bravo. Thank uh, you. you know, I didn't watch everything because I was participating, but from what I saw, you've uh, you've been leveling up, my friend. Well, thank like, you, bro. Appreciate that. Yeah. That means a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you, you really fucking sucked before, but you've been getting great. <laughs> hey, hey I, that just means I'm going up. If I really sucked and then I'm heading down, then we got a big problem. So. No, you never, you never did, but you've been, like, super impressing me, like, Oh. Like, uh, when you started, I was like, that's my brother doing coverage. And then now it's like, holy shit, my brother is just a commentator and way better at this than me. I'll, I'm taking his <laughs> advice on it from now on. Well, I mean, I was just doing so bad playing professionally magic, professional <laughs> magic these days that I was just like, I, I, I gotta just talk about it. I'm good at talking. So yeah, yeah. Th th those who can't do teach and those who can't teach talk. <laughs> exactly. Ouch. But so true. That hits home. <laughs> I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the, the Borhat cosplay that you did at some point. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I didn't tell, um, 
Ailey at all, but I remember like right when you kept putting it on, I was like, I know I have one of these uh, hats in the in the garage. Um, so I'm like, I'm yelling to my fiance in between our like one minute break. I'm like, please, will you get this? It's gonna be mildly funny, not even that much, but it you know it's worth it. Yeah. And then we bring it up here, and the way it works behind the scenes, me and Ailey can't see each other when we're watching the game, so she didn't see me putting it on. So only when it cut to us. Then we see our faces in front of us. So then she sees it, and I completely threw her off. Like she, her transition that round was completely messed up because I just, yeah, I just made her laugh too much. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I had to channel my inner Andrea Mangucci there. Yeah, the boar hat was uh, a, a gift that a friend of mine gave me last year. Actually, it was exactly last year when again both me and Brett top aided the PT with uh, you were playing Simic Flash, I was playing Simic Ramp. And oh, was, was it because of Enray's Forerunner? Right? Yeah, yeah, and the core and the <laughs> hat was because of Enray's Forerunner, so he gave me this hat, and on stream, every time I was playing it, I was I was wearing it. And uh, <laughs> since the, the boar is, uh, sorry, Yasharn is a boar, elemental boar, uh, whenever yeah. I played it against Autumn, I would put it on and then and then lose the game. because. It, yeah, <laughs> badly, but yeah. you brought a lot of uh, hilariousness to uh, the webcam, though. That was really funny. We were cracking up. Yeah, yeah, you brought a lot of fun to it, honestly. And that's something mm. that, you know, I should do more of when I'm playing these, but I'm not cognizant mm. of it all the time. Like, I had a Nissa sitting there, and I used it once against you. But <laughs> and, besides and, that, like... And the commentators didn't really understand which card it was. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't even tell what it was. Yeah, the glare was there. Mostly what we see from your camera, bro, is, like... <laughs> Any kind of play that looks like they're starting to inch into an advantage, you just do the head nod and like shake the head. It's like, ah, oh, damn it, the, like they drew the, that. The Nicolas Cage pillow, it's the only thing that you can see. The what? The Nicolas Cage pillow. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it cracks me up every time. I always want to make a Nicolas Cage joke, but you know, they're tough to sneak I, in. I, I like the Brad Pitt joke. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Uh, but yeah, so so um, you know, telling the story of the Zenicar Rising Championship kind of starts three or four days before deck submission. I don't remember when, um, but I reached out and was just chatting with Cedric about something, and mostly that I didn't know he was qualified. He tweeted about you know getting ready for the tournament. I was like, oh, I didn't know you were qualified. Yeah, cute and pioneer. Well, I forgot. I don't pay attention to everything. Well, I wasn't like, saying I, that condescendingly. Yeah. Well, I was just saying Cedric queued uh, in Pioneer. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and one of the last people to qualify. And so we were talking, and he was like, yeah, I'm just going to play four color in Historic. I'm like, that's great. And then, like, I don't know, an hour later, Andrea, you messaged me, and you're like, I'm playing four color, and uh, thought we'd check because I wasn't testing with anyone. And then I was like, well, all three of us are playing this deck. Do you all just want to get into a group Discord and just talk about it? And, and so we just did that, and then we talked standard and um, just kind of started a testing team, like, I don't know, 48 hours before decks were due. Yeah, basically, <laughs> what, what happened was that I was listening to the podcast of last week where you said uh, you, sorry, two, two podcasts ago, you said you didn't have a team. And, uh, but I was like, you know, I was kind of like soft locked on my decks. So like, whatever. But then last week's episode, you repeated that you were playing like Sultai. Or you know for color, so I was might as well mm -hmm. check if you had like something to share. I, I, I give you my list, and we started talking. 
How come you didn't yeah. uh, want to, or how come you didn't have a team? I know you're usually like with Javier, or um, or at least you'd normally have a team where you, you just wanted to go solo for this one. Or no, it's not like that. Like they have like uh, they had the chat, they had, they had the group chat, but we, but they were working a lot on the red black sacrifice deck, which I had like no interest okay. in touching. Like they'll play the red yeah. black sacrifice deck, and it was like you know. I played some really matches, bad, right? I played some matches against it with the four color deck. I was like, "This is like not a good matchup for you," you know. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, it wasn't the worst. Like they were tuning it a lot here and there, but I felt like there wasn't a big edge to be gained. And it was just, I just wanted to play. Honestly, just wanted to play like Nisa Uro, and like that's what I enjoy the most. Basically, like yeah. I don't want to play a tournament with a deck that I don't really enjoy. That's just a thing that these days of. Uh, uh, online tournaments I don't want to do because like that's the only thing I do is just playing the event so I I need to enjoy the games if I want to play. Do you t still take that approach to like you know something as big of an event as when we get back into like the mythic invitational level events? Would you still only play decks you enjoy or are you only playing like the decks you enjoy for maybe the lower stake event? I don't know. I mean, so far I've I've done that. Like for the MPL League, I've played Esper Doom the first week and literally nobody My else man. played it. So I was like, <laughs> so it was uh, just, I just, I think it's good. I also, you play better if you enjoy something. And, uh, and that's, I totally and, agree. And that was for, same for standard. Like they were all playing like Rule and Demir Rogues. And again, I wanted to play Esper. So Gotcha. Sometimes I was like messaging them if they had free time, they want to play a match against me. But you know, they we were just on the total different decks on both formats. So I figured to talk to Brad and like you know, I was uh, you can say I was solo, but I wasn't really like I was still talking with a bunch of different people. Maybe like ask them, hey, what do you think of uh, I don't sure, know, yeah, this this car like like basically like the the, the list was pretty stock. Like uh, SCG had a winner. Uh, the, uh, there was an SCG winner that, that won with four color midrange, and the list kind of went stock from there. The only change is like they played Languish and four Fatal Push, and it played like three Extinction Event, two Fatal Push. It's a very, very tiny differences. And a Doom Whisper. Let's not sell that tickle monster short. That was a nice one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, I suggested that without ever trying it. <laughs> yeah. Doom Whisper was from Brad. Like, Brad, like, because I, I went to bed nine hours before the deck submission and Brad just messaged, do you want to play Doom Whisper in the sideboard? It's good in the mirror match because they can't guess it and etc. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. We'll cut the Shock Typhoon and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a Brad Nelson card. I, I knew the second I saw those lists, who had their fingerprint on that one? <laughs> well, it's easy. It's, you know, any one of that's going to be comparable to things and if it's going to like deviate with how they might sideboard and it, it plays around a lot of stuff and it kills Anissa, mm. I thought it looked sweet. So um, and it was sweet. It was sweet in some of the matches I saw. Like Andrea, you uh you finished off a game with it against Tomash, yeah. I believe. Yeah, you were pretty far ahead, but it was like the exclamation point where you I, ended it. It actually won me won me one game against uh, Blue White Auras. Uh, thanks to it, I was able to chum block a like huge boggle with flying that I couldn't have uh, blocked anyway. Uh, with the Nissan okay. end, and I surveilled, uh, like, I, I refilled the graveyard for Uro, and I scry two removal spell on top. So I managed to just oh. go, like, uh, uh, you know, just chum block, and then my turn I went, draw a removal spell, Uro, draw the other removal spell, and then I, you know, control the board there at, at two life. So it won't be the game, like, straight up. I don't think that many I mean, cards would have done That's it. really how that card works. If you untap with it, you, and, and with... And if you had some amount of life, you should never lose the game. That, I mean, the card is very powerful, and it synergizes with Uro so well, right? Yeah. yeah. And when Fatal Push is the new hotness, 
and four gusts was pretty much stock for it. I mean, it really made a lot of sense. I bet there could even be some justification to play a second, but maybe that's a little ambitious. The problem Guys, that I, I found... Oh, I, I'm, oh I'm sorry, excuse me? I'm sorry to interrupt here, but... Brian? I, I thought you guys were going to introduce me as a special guest at some point. I've just been waiting. And I know I'm not supposed to speak up until I get introduced, but it's kind of been a while, so... Oh, this is oh. this is awkward. I'm I'm yeah. sorry. I, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't I didn't know you were here. Um, hey, BBD, how's it going, man? Wait, who's uh, this? Well, yeah. who's this? Uh, this uh, is. I, I guess we're double booked, Andrea. I, I I apologize. We might have two special guests for the episode. Oh, yeah, uh, you, you, no, no disrespect. Going, no disrespect. You guys just asked me to be the sp the special guest, you know. So I I thought, but you know. Yeah, I mean, with with how busy we've been, it just kind of slipped our mind. But hey, hey everyone, uh, welcome. Um, you know, 178th placing uh, Zendikar Rising Championship <laughs> player Brian Brown doing. How's it going, BBD? You know what? Uh, it, it's going great, and I got to say, it's an honor and a privilege to be this week's special guest on the Bash Bros <laughs> podcast. You know, every week I, I take a walk and I listen to the episode and I think, like, what will it take for me to one day be on this podcast? And I got to say, it, it's a dream come true to finally be the guest. So thank you so much for inviting me on. Yeah, no problem, BBD. No problem. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, great, great. Yeah. Um, thank you. Awesome. So you also, did you also top eight this tournament with us? Uh, no, no, but... After three rounds of play, I was in the bottom eight of the tournament. Right. BBD has something in common uh, with us because he defeated both of us in the MPL uh, league. Uh, just, just this that is month. true. That is true. We we are twenty five percent of, of of his wins. Yeah, I didn't beat very, very many people, but I did beat the shit out of both of you guys. So. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't confirm. He's the only rogue player that. Uh, I didn't clock out. It was just actual defeated. No, that's, that's a but joke. But you didn't clock out? <laughs> I, I clocked, you actually won I by clocking out? a bunch of uh, uh, rogues players, but, but BBD escaped the clock. One minute one minute, but yeah, one minute escape. <laughs> impressive. That's insane. Yeah. So BBD, Is that an actual strategy for, for Esper, Yorion? Yeah, I mean, I won so many matches on time. Even, even really? at the Zendikar Championship, I, I clocked out a blue-black control. I mean, wow. I, didn't, I didn't think the matchup was, like, insane, insanely bad against Rogues. Like, everyone says it, it's so bad, but with 4 Elspeth's Nightmare, it really doesn't feel as bad as it could be. They're still favored, yeah. but Yvonne, not yeah. that much. Even against me with six seconds on the clock. <laughs> well, I was even closer than mine was. Yeah, Jean-Emmanuel yeah. beat the actual crap out of me with uh esper doom when i was playing rogues like that it was just yeah. not a close match at all i mean i think his list was m more, a little bit more hateful against the strategy than yours was andre i don't remember exactly what he had but man he just crushed me i think it depends a lot yeah. on into the story like if you resolve one into the story it's tough and like it scales up the more the more into the story your resolves yeah you once, get you get the, once you get the first one then yeah. the, you find this it's like sphinx's revelation once you yeah. find, hit the first one it all snowballs yeah, I don't really I mean, remember looking at your list, uh, Andrea, with Esper Doom that you played, but I would have played basically card for card what uh, LSV played. He just had like two clings in the main and stuff for the rogue matchup, and it did not even look like it would be that bad. Um, oh, their deck, I think their deck list was was much worse than Andrea's. Really? I just didn't see. I'm going to look at it right now. Yeah, I believe yeah. that 
every time I see a do an Esper Doomfortold list and I see Maze Mind Tome, I just automatically assume that the person hasn't really played the deck very much. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that card's terrible. <laughs> like, every I time I this see, reaction. <laughs> every time I see any deck <laughs> Maze Mind Tome in it, <laughs> I feel the same way. It's just that the, yeah. your deck needs to blink and you need to sacrifice permanence and the Maze Mind Tome just... And also, you just have so mana hungry every time you do something with your mana, and I just yeah, I don't really understand that. And Upumpa, yeah, it's not even yeah. You know, the guy that won the SCG, he had the same list that I played at the championship. Yeah, and um, well, there's like two cards different in the sideboard. I I mean, I was because of because we were talking, I actually was almost about to register Esper uh, Doom Foretold, and I I really liked the deck. I played it like a lot online. I actually wonder if like Elsvi and all them jumped on it last minute because. I played against Elsvi. He was playing Teamer Adventures, um, and I beat the living shit out of him <laughs> with Esper. Like I just crushed him. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember Brad asking me about Standard, and I told him that Esper was, uh, I think, was good against Teamer. Was like slightly positive with the with the new decklist that we played, and uh, yeah, against mm -hmm. Teamer. But I wasn't really expecting that many Teamer. The deck didn't really feel that good to me. Yeah, yeah Brett, I didn't think Timur was going to be good. Yeah, you called it pretty well that you thought Timur was going to be underrepresented and not do great, <laughs> which was both right. But yeah, most of the team was actually on Demir Control up until the, the final hour and then switched back to Esper Doom when they couldn't beat Mono Green Food. Yeah, that's that's my favorite thing about this format is you have a Demir Control deck mm -hmm. that actually gets outgrinded by Mono Green Food. <laughs> yeah, um, and and when I played Shoda, I knew that Shoda knew that because he just spent the first eight turns aggressively getting Yorion into play and start clocking me. Like he just like tried to get it into play as quickly as possible and start attacking me. All right. We saw the very end of your match, bro. Did you ever go back and like see what was actually on coverage? No. Okay, so it only came into your match when you just top decked back-to-back -back feasting Troll Kings, and like it was looking pretty bad right away. I was trying to like grasp what was going on, and then all of a sudden you just go like Troll King into Troll King, and just that he had no shot from there. It was it was fun to to jump into. That's the only part that we watched though, like the last three or four turns. All right, it's, of your time, match. it's oh, wow. time to bring a, it's time to bring in the actual MTG underscore data in. And uh, in Let's the Zendika Resin Championship, Demir Control beat Monogram Food 62.5% of the time. Oh, oh well, well I, will, I will let you guys, I even wrote about, I, I just today uh, published an article on SCG for the first time since March. Gasp. Um, and I, I wrote about this for a second, like, I honestly think that a lot of the Monogreen pilots had no idea how to play against Demir Control, because when I saw them on coverage, they would keep in Gilded Goose and Lovestruck Beasts, which I take both of those out because I leave zero targets for Elspeth's Nightmare in my deck. Well, I mean, I, I keep the 1-1, one, one, but the 1-1 one, one still land. I just play it as a land. Sure. Um, Unless I've got like a great engine play and I just want to draw cards, but not in the early turns. And they didn't have Ugins and things like that. So they really couldn't go long where I really thought my plan just beat the crap out of Demir Control. And I, I mean, I beat Shoda. Uh, the way that I thought I was going to. So, did you beat any, is, any Esper Doom deck? I did. I did beat an Esper Doom pilot. Uh, they they also went aggressive against me, but my ten mana Ugin ended up winning, and that was a backup. Andre and I played, and I thought our game two. Well, both of our games were kind of interesting. Like game one, 
it was weird because I was flooding to his terrible screw, but I was able to get back out of it because I found card advantage. Uh, but game two, he was beating me down and playing ECDs, and I had to literally gain life off food to stay alive. But then I was able to oog and control late. Yeah, I okay. Uh, that was yeah. that was a really cool game too, though. Yeah, yeah. And your guys' match in the top eight was also pretty insane. It, yeah, it, it it was pretty wild. Like that game too. I didn't think there was a chance that Brad was gonna win. And uh, you know, while we're talking about it, Andrea, I think there was like the one decision point game two that you were scrutinized for. Otherwise, you just played phenomenally uh, throughout that entire top eight. Was like that Nissa. Do you think, in hindsight, that was a mistake when you ultimated, or would you still have stood by that play? Yeah, I think it's a mistake. I I shouldn't have ultimated okay. it because I was playing around a uh, Droid Crazes bringing back. Um, like having one card in his hand being, uh, being like maybe Ether Gust. Uh, so I was going to like cycle and replay the Nisa because you play four Gust and two Negate. So I was mostly playing around that and into, yeah. into Crazes. He ended up having Negate into Shark Typhoon, uh, into me drawing three lands in a row, which, you know, was <laughs> yeah. kind of like the only, really like the only scenario. But I think like if I don't ultimate the Nisa, I just have no outs of, of, of losing that game. So it's like a classic yeah, example I of, you have a game locked up and you don't really just focus too much on what's the worst case scenario. You mostly focus on the best case scenario, which is, you know, not what you, you should focus on that moment. Gotcha. Couple things that, sorry to go off a different track here. A couple of things I thought was interesting is that Demir Rogues had a positive matchup against every deck in the field, uh, according, yeah, holy according shit. to the data. And also uh, Demir Control got destroyed by Teamer Adventures, which I thought was supposed to be one of its good matchups so i got a question for that like demir rogues was putting up like sub 50 percent matchups against gruel and stuff like that but now that the pros played it here in this tournament do you guys think that makes just such a difference with the win percentage from that deck just being how skill intensive it is demir rogues for sure okay absolutely and I mean, I'm going to be honest, I haven't looked at what builds people were playing in the tournament, but I have to imagine that having updated builds of the deck also makes a big difference, too. It's got to be the the 16 creature one, right? Like, that kind of honed in on being the better list? Or were people still thinking, like, Zerasan? I guess, like, LSD against you, Brad, had the Zerasan version. Um, I just beat the shit out of you that round. Sorry to bring that up to you, but... But I don't know if that version was, like, better. Would you guys think, or...? I, I think just the Luris version I think so too, uh, yeah. is the best just because I don't know if it's 16 creatures or 15 or 14 or whatever. <laughs> I don't have, I don't have the, like, that's not a deck that I have mastered. And I think it's a very skill intensive deck that would take, you know, 40 hours of me playing it to feel comfortable playing against great players. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing about it is like every deviation of just the Luris version feels less powerful um, in the, in the early turns and i feel like demir rogues best chance is when they when they have those early turns locked up yeah you gotta facilitate yeah. i'm gonna be honest i uh i had a better win rate with demir rogues than its average win rate in this tournament even <laughs> though i did i did i started zero and three in historic had to go, had to go four zero in standard to uh make day two but i went i ended up going two and one but um <laughs> That's sixty six percent. Well, that's a that's <laughs> congratulations. A, congratulations. That's a very high thank win you. percentage. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Didn't you just run into just the most absurd luck in historic though? Like you played Kathos. What matchup did you play twice? 
So I'm playing a combo deck that's based around the graveyard and an artifact with an activated ability. And I ran into a deck that only five pilots played twice that his entire game plan revolves around playing a planeswalker on the third turn of the game that is simultaneously stony silence and rest in peace. So, <laughs> so I happened to play against uh, colorless ramp twice, two of the oh, two God. of the five people. Uh, I am zero percent to beat Karn in game one. I shouldn't say zero percent, maybe like two percent, but effectively can't beat a Karn in game one and I'm pretty low odds to beat it in a post-board game. So I really God. I really say that I went 0-1 with Kethis because I just got two... I mean, I went 0-3, but I got two just straight-up unwinnable matchups that weren't really a major part of the metagame. They were, they were both, like, unlisted decks that I just happened to play against two of the people playing it, so... That just reminds me of the last time... Uh, you played Kethis. I believe it was just the, the big tournament before that. The one time you were on coverage, maybe it was for league play, but <laughs> yeah. it, was just, it was just the mono green ramp deck, which nobody else was playing, but its whole game plan is to ramp to Karn, and your feature match was a total of like four and a half minutes of you just getting <laughs> obliterated. I mean, that was deep in the tournament. Uh, the person that beat Brian drew with me into top 16 and qualified us for the grand finals. Yeah. Like that person gave Brian the knockout blow. Yeah. It was pretty late in the tournament. I was still alive for top eight at that point. So. Okay. Okay. Great luck playing against Karn with uh, Kethis, which is a little unfortunate because Karn's not really a major part of the metagame, but it is what it is. That would be funny if it was the same person. <laughs> like, yeah, just mixed it up to play a different Karn deck just to spite yeah. you. <laughs> no, I, I want to bring up a different um, topic now. Just bring it back to the Demir Rogue one. Uh, one of the top eight competitor, uh, Luca Magni, he was playing the Zaret some version of Demir Rogue. I believe he had a pretty strong record. He also beat me, unfortunately, my Esper Doom. I lost twice to Rogue. Um, although the matchup is, as you said, it's like closer than than it's like advertised and. Uh, if you if you take a look at the at the win percentage at the Zendika Rising Championship Rogue, it's fifty five point three for Demir Rogues. But if you look at the, the highest total, out of all of them, yep. But if you look at the total uh, standard of like the week, like the, the the event that happened on MTG Melee, and uh, I don't know what other win rate is taking consideration, but it says forty nine point four uh, win percentage for Demir Rogues. So there's like pretty big difference between like the the PT and the the you know the rest of the field. Well, yeah, so so just to put into context, this is counting all of the SCG stuff and the champs combined. So um, okay. there was a ton, there's a ton more matches played um, in in the SCG satellites and the 5K than, than in our tournament. But at the same time, that's also getting padded by the good results of Demir Rogues. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, yeah, I just think that Demir Rogues is a very skill-intensive deck and... Um, also, I mean, we've seen this in the past before, like, I love the SCG tour. I love that it exists for everyone involved, but we have just seen tournaments where on the SCG tour looks way different than the, the premier level events, like the pro tours. I mean, the biggest example was, uh, the Eldrazi, the Amber cool one, the Shad, uh, the Shad Australia one. Shadows over in Estrad. Yeah, where like the, our metagame at the tournament looked com wildly different than any other metagame before its time. There were a couple mm. other ones too that were like that, like the 
there was the one where it was like green white dominated and then was not a big factor at the pro tour there's there's been a number of ones like that yeah it's, we it's, actually yeah, played yeah. green white at that pro tour and i went eight and two with it but <laughs> well you guys found the best build yeah oh yeah. is that Andrea, where i played Andrea, landfall Andrea is yeah. familiar with that green white deck oh the yeah, shadows of rain struck pt yeah. Yeah. You top eight it, didn't you? I lost I lost it. Looks I lost like in it. the final to Oh okay, alright. <laughs> oh, I was talking about a different tournament with Green White. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you're talking, talking about, about Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. 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 Milwaukee. I went eight and two that one as well, BBD. Oh, but I went one and five and limited. We, we, <laughs> we played red green landfall. We played red green landfall. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah we're not teaming together. Yeah, not everyone right. played that deck. I played green white, and I did. That was my best standard performance ever at a pro tours with that deck. Okay. Yeah, yeah, green red landfall. That was a fun one. Become a men's team or battle rage. Let's go. Yeah, we're playing the two mana, the gnarly, the two mana two two landfall plus one plus one. Yeah. <laughs> Both <laughs> Powerful stuff. Yeah. No, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, Narlin's very comparable to the landfall creatures of of current times, right? No. There's no power crate. <laughs> it's, it's incredible that I can't champ block with my Omen of the Sun token that like brush fire elemental. I just hate it. I hate it so much. You just, I know. You just I, that, that is. Yeah. That pisses me off too. Yeah, Becoming you, a. Yeah. You can't even yeah. block it with the knights or like with with the scheduling operation. You just can't block that thing. It's so it's so annoying. It's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair. Our Esper Doom deck should be able to stop all the creatures. I totally agree <laughs> with you. We need to write a strong worded letter or something. All right. One, one, of, one, one thing common between like the, the win rate of the Zenicarity Championship and the like uh, cumulate, uh, combined with SCG is that Esper Doom placed a four, 54 win percentage in both of them. Yes. Yeah. And I believe mm. that's because yeah. it's like not that hard to play. Like it does its thing I all agree. the time. It's always like kind of the same thing. Like it does only one plan. It doesn't change plan. Like maybe rogues or monogreen food. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you. I think the one big change uh, from that is there was a lot more teamer adventures in um, you know the non Zendikar Rising Championship numbers. Like just a lot more people were really high on that mm -hmm. deck, and that was a bad matchup for Esper Doom. So. I bet this Esper Doom percentage would be even higher if if you redid it for this coming up week where I don't think people are really that high on Teamer Adventures anymore. Like, I don't think that's a deck I think the, the, people the, are even the, considering. The, the metagame sample was the same. Both both were 10% of the metagame share. Okay. Um, it's es Esper Doom yeah. was actually a little bit lower played, but... Um, I don't even think it's that bad against Teamer, like... No, I don't either. Yeah. After mm -hmm. Cyborg, you have like negates and the the horses. Yeah, you have you have the 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 breath of God that says odd, and uh... yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you did play four extinction events. Huh? That that was the one thing I thought of the list that felt like too much to me. But you you were a big fan of it. I mean, I I, I had my list tuned for the green decks because I thought the the Gruul, the Mono Green, and Team Europe would have been the most played deck. Like I listened to the, to your mm -hmm. podcast when you said that uh, you you weren't expecting as many. I think it was like a, a good metagame call, but I kind of thought that this 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 three green decks would have been the most played. And so I just yeah, I think I most people did think that zero. too. I sideboarded like three cards, like very you sideboard very few against Gruul, and you sideboard a lot against the blue decks. Because the main deck was yeah. supposed to be that way. 
Yeah, even the team I tested with, you know, the uh, Kai Buddha and Huey and Reed and all them, they thought they were pretty much on the exact same page as Brad there, that it was going to be the green decks. I think that many Demir Rogues pilots kind of surprised everyone. Wait, they actually thought that the green decks were going to be the most popular because they had mystic the mystical disputes yeah, in their I agree. Decks. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they are good. Like, they had mystical dispute, they had... Uh, the Maze Mind Tomes, they, they didn't even have four Scaffling of Apparition, which is crazy because, like, it's the only card that kills Witches Oven and it can have you a game against food. Wait, they didn't have four Skyclaves? They had three. Yeah, I was actually starting to get a lot lower on that card as well. Um, oh, so I, I, I think so I would have played three it. as well. I basically would have played Luis's list card for card. Um, I, I thought that one was really sweet, but, you know, it was it was pretty close to yours. It's, it's okay, like, it's just talking about yeah. minor thing, but, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But anyway, should we uh, should we get to the kind of second half of our topic here, which is the preparation for the arena open, you know, and kind of get back to historic. Y'all down? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. OK. OK. So historic arena open coming up this weekend. Um, basically, my interpretation of what I would expect is just almost identical to the metagame for the Zeneca Rising Championship. That's really what happens after a major event like this. The latter just becomes whatever deck people like of, you know, basically card for card for either Autumn's list or your guys' list for um, four color. Do you guys expect you're going to play anything totally different or still liking pretty close to your deck? Or right. what, where is your guys' heads at? I can take at? the answer... Um, Let's go. I'm expecting uh, a different metagame instead. I'm expecting that. So the sacrifice decks combined were the most played decks, and they did they did they mm. did not do very well. Like none of them very made bad. the top eight. Uh, every time I played against the sacrifice deck, it was just like super easy. And looking at the win percentage, they did very badly. Like John Sacrifice did 33 percent against four color mid range, and Rakdos did 40 percent against four color mid range. And uh, Jesus, that should scare a lot of people. They want to put like Cultural Familiar in their deck. Because six, yeah, the person who did best was ninth place with Paulo. Yeah, Paulo went uh, on John six and one in sacri with John Sacrifice. Crazy. Yeah, I wonder why well, everybody yeah. else did so bad. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, and uh, so and the second uh, thing that's going to be changing is goblins. So goblins was used to be like this like, kind of all in deck in Muxus. So like if you play Nest and Scatter, you win the game. But it's not anymore because now Autumn and their team, they just developed this very good list with Four Horn, Chandra, Ringleader. And now the deck grinds so well. And Ethergast is like basically blank. It's like it doesn't do anything. Yeah. And uh, so I think that now moving on, that list is going to be very well tuned. And it's going to be a much stronger deck than before. Yeah, well, I want to put up one thing that I saw all weekend that was just disgusting. Aether Gusts were now unsubstantiates yeah. or whatever that card, just bouncing into their hand. Whenever the horn was out, it's like Aether Gust looked so pathetic against that version. I mm -hmm. totally agree. I mean, so so the thing I'll say about goblins is uh, I do agree that this list is much stronger in the mid-range world. Um, the deck in general still performed pretty bad in these tournaments. Um and I don't know about the teammates that also played the same goblin list, because I know a few didn't make day two and things like that. Like, um, I mean, I, I still believe that goblins is a little underpowered for this format, especially if people are going to now start targeting it again, adding more hate to it uh, to fight the deck. And I, I'm just here to say that, like, I believe a lot of the wins came from Autumn piloting a historic deck and not a goblins deck that was good that Autumn got to play. Because Autumn played... 
out of her mind. I, I, I honestly believe that she's just like crushing it lately. She's playing really well and her decisions are very like just good. Um, so I, I still like, I think goblins might be a trap this weekend, truthfully. Yeah. Interesting. I've always disagreed there every time. Uh, whenever also like you're gonna, listen to you're, the podcast. You're, it's okay. <laughs> You, oh, you're well. You're gonna disagree with goblins being a trap. Tell me. Yeah, I think goblins is a very, very strong deck. Uh, it's very resilient. It defeats uh, the the mid range deck, the four color mid range, unless it's like very well tuned, which there will be. But the deck is still very strong. Plus, it has just like this like super good and like straight up plan that doesn't lose to I don't know a car and the great creator. Like it's not it's not a deck that I feel like. It's Whoa! Not. Too soon for BBD. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Shots fired, Brian. <laughs> what are you talking about? What no such deck exists. <laughs> like it's not a deck that I think it just doesn't lose to. Like we've seen we've seen it winning against like Boggles, which is supposed to be like a bad matchup, the Aura's matchup, and against Blue White Control, she she had like a strong chance. It's not like like oh she played blue against Blue Black Control, it's easy. Blue white control. So I felt mm -hmm. like it has like numbers against everything. Maybe like the worst matchups could be like the sacrifice decks, which I see they're down trading, down down trending. So I think it's a I think it's still a good deck. I don't want it to be a good deck because I really hate to play against goblins, but I think it's <laughs> I think it's a good deck. Yeah, especially I, I'm wondering if it's just you being a little uh, you know, gun shy after just how many times and how brutal yeah. your matches were against Autumn. Didn't you go like X and three and it was just X and Autumn? Yeah, I I, I went nine and three <laughs> in historic in total in this weekend, and the three losses were to Autumn's Goblins only. <laughs> All three of them. <laughs> so brutal. Once in the Swiss and two times in the top eight. <laughs> I remember one match, though, one game, like everything, they were close games and it was pretty competitive. And then one, it was just like, I don't know, Autumn had Cranko on top when uh, she had Conspicuous Snoop in play. And then like right after that, Top Deck Moxa, it was like a crazy sequence where there was no chance you could have ever competed in that game. Just like a good sequence yeah, of draws. The only but... game that I won is when the one where I just <laughs> Top Deck Nisa and dealt lethal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's what your only haste thread. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is a selling point to goblins is that they have, you know, like those disgusting draws that just win the game. You know, like yeah, some percentage of the time your opponent's just going to be screwed, <laughs> and yeah. that, that there is value in that. Like that, that alone is not a reason to play a deck. But if you have a consistent deck that's genuinely good, and you also have the ability to sometimes just not draw your opponent out of the game like that that is an advantage so totally agree one thing i want to ask about though and one thing is you know the giant elephant in the room we got to talk about brad barkley here going 12 and 0 with azorius control do you guys think that deck was like a flash in the pan because outside of brad the azorius control players were 15 and 25 but with brad's 12 0 you know it was 27 and 25 so it's it's not like the deck did very well uh, do you guys think that's going to be something moving forward or just a flash in the pan well, I, 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 I'll answer this um, with my opinion, and it's kind of the same every time. Okay. So, uh, like, <laughs> I, I do think that uh, a format like Historic, um, there are these stock, like, in my opinion, there's, like, three major pillars in the format. There's the Nissa pillar, the Mayhem Devil pillar, and the Muxus pillar. I think those are the top three decks in the format. 
and everything else tries to attack them. Um, and currently, I felt like Azuri's control built well, had a chance to fight because a lot of people were ignored, right? Like, we were cutting a shark here for this, and, you know, we, we, we're version, we're, we're playing this, like, you know, Yasharn to fight the sacrifice decks and not just being Sultai with castles and more counter spells and more, and more flu, you know, fluid mana. Mm -hmm. um, and so a deck like that can come in. But the problem is, is a deck like a blue eye control deck is inherently flawed when people are targeting it, because then once the format opens up and starts attacking blue eye control, blue eye control is not going to have all the correct tools all the time to fight a wide open format. So I feel like blue eye control can show up when a format is very stagnant and very focused on something that isn't control. It can come in, mm -hmm. win some matches, and then it'll get beat up and it'll have to go back, right? Because, like, once blue-white control is the most popular thing, then who knows? Maybe Rakdos Arcanist starts popping back up. Or oh, something yeah. that just... Fan you know, me down. The cooler list yeah, just books can start popping up as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that just, like, really messes their day up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm in agreement with that. I, I, I think it's incredibly impressive that Brad went 12-0. Um, like, that was really insane run. And... <laughs> But yeah, like I, I, I don't think that blue eye control is going to be a deck where it's like if you pick it up the next week, you're gonna be expecting to do well with it because people will just probably over adjust against it. All right, I want to. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I want to say something in favor of blue eye control though, because the you said the metagame is stagnant. Uh, sorry, uh, it only like uh, flourish in a stagnant metagame. But can we just? agree that historic is kind of a stagnant meta game like we see that the red zendika rising championship there were like three major archetype like the, the sultai it was the same as the, the method invitational too and the goblins yeah. and everything else kind of just like played against you know it was just at the bottom and the win rates kind of like display it you know the best deck had the best win rates so i think it is possible mm -hmm. that you build a blue white deck to beat like, I think Blue-White naturally beats Sultai game one, and then you just kind of have to, like, win one of the post-sideboard. It naturally beats Goblins, mm -hmm. and uh, they're just hoping, I guess, to not play against Sacrifice these days, because what Bradley did, right? I think Brad played against zero Sacrifice in Historic, if that's what I... I mean... I, Sounds about right. And, and, yeah. I mean, I, actually, this is very easy to figure out uh, because of this wonderful website called MTG Melee. Oh, yeah. Each... Oh. each uh, if I'm looking at one of Brad's decks, I can look and see if they played. They played Goblins, Four Color Midrange, Four Color Midrange. Played Rakdos like, Sacrifice. On day two, they did play a Rakdos Sacrifice, Sultai Midrange, Goblins, Four Color Midrange, and then the top eight. So they did play one Rakdos. But I also, honestly, if we want to say something, the Jun Sacrifice decks, I think, are so much better than Rakdos. I have no idea how some of the... I, I, I've seen it in other podcasts and articles and talked on the internet... How mm -hmm. people could trick themselves into thinking that taking the green cards out of sacrifice decks and replacing them with scrapping scrounger is a successful strategy. I have no idea why anyone yeah. would so do that. The reason it is didn't that seem good. I think that the uh, I mean the reason why you know players like Marcio, Nishitian, and Javier played Rakdos, I believe is that they thought they had a better matchup against the Yashard four color Sulta, like four color mid-range, because they had um Chandra, they had, they had three Chandra in the main deck. So, uh, because of that, they had, like, a more stable mana base to cast Chandra, and, uh, yeah, also, like, Priest of the Forgotten Gods, which is, like, a pretty strong card against, uh, if you just want to do your own thing. But, I mean, I, I, I agree mm -hmm. with you, I don't think it's a good deck, but 
that that, that, that is the appeal to play Chandra. <clears throat> I think the green cards are the best cards in that deck. But agreed. It's not and to especially say that Re Rectos might be a better metagame choice. Like or you know, might be a better like attacking the metagame thing. But in terms of power level, I think the green cards are the best cards in that deck. So yeah, and I'll I'll totally agree with Andrea that the format is pretty stagnant, and I don't think it's going to change too much because we even look at like the Mythic Invitational, and like that the top three or four deck lists there pretty much translated over to the Zendikar Rising Championship, almost card for card or a uh, list for list. I do think the one change that we're going to see moving into the Arena Open is less sacrifices sacrifice decks just because they did so bad and basically just replace azorius control as a deck that we're gonna see a decent amount of numbers of but other than that i don't think there's gonna be much of a change to what we I saw mean, in Zendikar rising champion here, here, here's how here's how i want to express it better i i agree that the format is very stagnant but it's what people are playing in these decks and what they're focusing on and the moment you say that gen sacrifice decks shouldn't see as much play because they didn't top eight. But I mean, if you look at the actual data, like the data does show that they didn't do terrible, right? Like almost 50% and 52, you know, like not not abysmal, but mm -hmm. these four color mid-range decks, if you look at what Mango and I, like Mango, you streamed, I wrote in an article, we're both now following in, um, in the ninja who top four and who you beat in the top four, um, you know, footsteps, and we're playing Takatli Honor Guard, in our mm -hmm. cyber, we both we both randomly got to thought distortion to put in our cyborg. We're making our decks already worse for the sacrifice matchups. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fair, but I do I do want to point out one last stat about John Sacrifice. Well, it's not abysmal as far as the overall. You look at the four color mid-range stat, and it's 33%, which is pretty abysmal. And if I'm going into this arena open, I gotta be prepared for four color mid range, and this doesn't seem like the deck I want to pick up if it has that bad of a win rate. So I think that's why we're gonna see less. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. One, one thing I gotta Go ahead, say Dizzle. is like John Sacrifice. That was my backup deck, and seeing that it was a below fifty percent win rate, like I'm, I'm really happy that I didn't play it because I might have ended up with like a, a bad record if I did. What about? <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> you might have zero and four. Keep this combo. How do how do you keep this combo? Do I I know someone else played it. Uh, yeah, there were there two were pilots. two pilots. I can I can figure this out. Give me a second. <laughs> Who was oh, the other pilot? Do we guess, know? I'm gonna guess one and five. Was it Hain again or no? no Hain played Azorius cycling. cycling. Yeah, I, pl I played against John Rolf in day two on the Azorius cycling. Yeah, he did actually. He was doing good yeah, for a while. But... He was five and two after day one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Brad play against him, and it didn't look great. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, didn't look absolutely horrible. So I guess we'll we'll segue so, into since you guys were both talking about your evolution exactly, of the deck. Yeah. Are both of you, Brad and Andrea, just gonna play? First of all, gonna play the arena open, and second of all, just sticking with four color, not gonna try to get cute and switch anything all up. Right, so uh, I I have never played an arena open yet, uh, even day one. Oh, they're great. Yeah, because the, they're the so first good. one were the best one. I didn't want to practice that format, and the, the last one I. I was busy that day on Saturday. Th this <clears> weekend, <throat> I am free, so I am practicing for it already on my stream. And uh, yesterday night, I brainstormed with uh, you know my my friend Opumpa, and uh, I I told him that uh, I told him basically everything that I didn't like about my deck, which were just to start the fatal pushes. The fatal push were just horrible. Every time, really, yeah. Every time I had a fatal push, I couldn't kill a thing. Every time, like they had Uro, they had Golden <laughs> Chieftain, they had my Yam Devil. 
I was just never able to like you only have Fable Passage, the Crockett really. Yeah. No, or or yeah, yeah, but like it's it's like it's an instant. You don't want to play a sorcery, like you just. I mean, I'm with you. I yeah. thought I I I I almost like I I, I don't want to say this because I don't want to put anyone out. But I, but it is kind of true. I judge people when I see them have four fatal pushes. I I just I can't not like I see their list and I'm like they do not understand this deck if they have four fatal pushes. Oh, yes, I yeah, because Brad, you like, only played two, right? Yeah, I, and and I you know I pushed Cedric down from two, from three to two, and I, I could I could see it being right to play none. I do like having I will always have one in my deck though, just for the fact that like your Euro sequencing and your gross size sequencing is great sometimes when you draw it. Okay. Um, but then, and that's but, why I play two. Yeah, but then again, like as I said, I think the magic is stagnant, right? I want to, I want to be prepared against three matchups, and the fatal push is just not good against uh, these three matchups. Like it's not good against uh, Sultai, it's not good against goblins because against goblins, it only really kills the snoop. It's just very hard to kill a three drop, in my opinion, with fatal. Yeah, push. snoop or skirk if you want to stop them from yeah. ramping to Muxus or something. But so, yeah, it doesn't so seem that, great. That was the first thing that I that I changed. I put more eliminates because eliminate is actually great against Narset, and I'm expecting at least on the arena open, I'm expecting blue white control a, a little bit. And yeah. I want to be able to kill Narset game one. And the other card that we both of me and Brett changed is that we replaced Essence Cutter with Tails End. Yeah. And uh, okay. yeah, so Essence Scatter was originally put there over Tails End because it was countering the <clears throat> Mayhem Devil, the Wolf Strider, the Priest of the Forgotten Gods. Again, it, was, it tested a lot against Replex Sacrifice. Plus, you can just counter, you know, a Core Spirit Dancer sometimes. And um, it wasn't great in the mirror because it was only countering Uro. And, uh, you know, against Goblins, Essence Scatter is definitely better than Tails End, but still, like, countering Cranko uh, is the most important thing. Sorry, Mux is the most important thing. So, you know, yeah. uh, Tails End does that in the same way. So, and, and Tails End is, of course, better against blue-white control because you can counter Big Teferi, you can counter a shark, you know, these, these things. Do you think this, uh, with the changes you make, that you actually have a good matchup against Azorius control or still pretty bad? Because control usually just beats mid-range, right? Like, that's just the recipe that we have if they can well, hone in on it. it game one, and then you have to, as long as you have enough resources in the cyborg for the cyborg games... Mm -hmm. um that's that's how they like, normally I, play i out. played against okay. like as as brad has done probably like throughout these years i've been playing nisa and crazes and my opponent have been playing teferi like that's just a thing that has happened <laughs> for 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 very long at this point and uh yeah i believe that in the end if you have three crazes three shark typhoon and uro it's it can never be too bad like sure maybe like you can draw your gusts and your extinction event and they just resolve with the fear and you lose game one. But then you go to sideboard yeah. and uh, I believe like the our deck is stronger than theirs. Uh, so maybe maybe you lose the match. Like it's not definitely it's not like a great match, but I think it's like 50-50. Like it must be I mean uh, I, yeah, at least that. I will just say that I honestly believe that I have made my career on beating control decks with mid-range decks. Yeah. Like honestly, I feel like because uh, I not it, Brad Barkley though. Well, yeah, I mean, well, Brad, Brad Barkley is showing up with his, his first big accomplishment because he probably plays control in every tournament. Oh, and that he does that. Oh, like, <laughs> he didn't put that in his bio that he just loved control all the time. But. I, yeah, I mean, and sometimes it'll get you there. But I, I honestly just I truthfully believe and we've seen it through the history of magic that Players that just play control decks do not win as much as players that do not do that. By the way, both me and Brad... We're talking about you, Shaheen Sarani. Both... 
<laughs> both, both me and Brad having the sideboard, a card that's called Thought Distortion. <laughs> Hello. That's, that's for a those good one. who forgot this one, it is four colorless, black, black. <laughs> it's a sorcery. It can't be countered. And you exile all non-creature cards in their hand, non-creature, non-land cards in their hand and graveyard from the game. Yeah. Yeah, and there's nothing they can do to that, right? Like, there's no... Uh, I mean, there's just memory. nothing. Commit to memory. Okay, yep, yep. Is it, they don't play those. Have yeah. a Teferi in play and then just redraw a bunch of cards afterwards? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's or his Canter or something kind of cancels that I, out. I do but... actually have one question about your guys' deck that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and that is, like, guys, I went 0-3. You don't need to target me with Tail's End in the main deck. Like, <laughs> seriously. All right, we, we, can, we can replace it with a couple of cards in Great Creator. Yeah, in the board just to say fuck DVD if he wants to play some Katha. <laughs> yes. yeah. One Torvald's Crypt just in case. Yeah. yeah. So BBD, well, are you gonna play the arena open? Are you gonna run it back? Uh, I'll be honest, didn't know it was a thing. But there's a chance I'll play it. I won't say it's zero percent. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I want to say that this arena open has made like a lot of people think that they can uh, live off magic, or at least a lot of people that I, some people that I know that have won like a thousand mm -hmm. or two thousand dollars with it. They're like, you know, that's just for for some people in Italy, it's it's a salary. You know, some people earn less than a thousand dollar a month. And uh, yeah. so they're like, this arena open could really be my chance of, uh, you know, I just grind the, the three months yeah. to get the two the 20,000 gold and uh, just mm -hmm. test enough and I can win $2,000. Like that's that's a lot of money. And like these kind of events, just, just being there, open, just like that on the client, you don't even have to pay an entry fee, just like the, the, the gold. I think mm -hmm. it's just great for, for magic. I think it's the best. I, I really think these are like the future of what arena can be. Just putting tournaments onto that and not always having to go, you know, outside to lovely websites like MTG Arena or MTG mm -hmm. Melee, don't get me wrong. But having having things like that in client, uh, I think is great, you know, and there's some people, I think there's what, like two people that have made the 2000 each time. That's a pretty good job. I must yes. say, Sa well, like Simon, Simon Nielsen, Nielsen and yeah. a Japanese pro. Yes. Simon yeah. Nielsen has made a uh, three times uh, $2,000. Javier. I got it Rice. once. I got it once got with I, good old I, Luca. I really, I really like them, but the corner cases make it not like a, it could like the the arena opens cannot be used for legitimate like qualifications into a pro level thing. Because, yeah, I don't think so. Because there's there's like multiple people for multiple of them, like that in the last hour they're trying to queue up their last round and they don't pair against anyone. I think that's like they have yeah. they have six wins and they need a seventh or they have five and they need a sixth and they mm. just don't find an opponent. Yeah, those are the procrastinators. I feel like yeah, if you start on time, you you're gonna have enough time. That's not that's not fair. If the tournament goes from X time to X time, and you're an hour before everything happens, it's not on them. Although these kind of it's, event is like agreed. so good for streaming, which like, oh, I, I think there's a lot of benefits to this, but I'm glad that it only has cash on, uh, like cash as a part of it, like. I think there are flaws to this and the Mythic Invitational Championships on Fire Weekends yeah. just because mm -hmm. of these queuing into yeah. queuing in. And Brian, you said you agreed with me or them. I agree with you. 
No, yeah. they actually added MPL points to this arena open too. So anybody in the MPL, if you if you <laughs> oh, if you get there, we already played those. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know what the fix is to your problem because you know, like if there's no one left to play, there's no one left to play. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I agree that that shouldn't be the fault of somebody. Um, you know. It's in a different time zone or something. It yeah. doesn't even have to. Be, it doesn't even have to be a time thing. If there's an odd number of people, it always will end like that. Even if it's an hour, two hours. Correct. Yeah. There, there's. It could be five hours before the end if everyone got their matches in early. You know. It, yeah. It, there's always just going to be somebody, or I won't say always, but there's generally going to be somebody who gets got by that at some point in there. <laughs> um. And and it's. I don't think it's that person's fault. Uh, yeah. Granted, I would try to avoid to be that person by playing my matches early. Yeah. But you know, people live in different time zones. People have real life obligations. One of the beauty of a tournament like this is that you can play it at home when you know, and 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 somewhat on your own time. So I think I think that. Yeah. Oh, was, I, yeah. I'm 99% very happy these exist. I'm just saying that, like, when Corey says something like th like these are the future of Magic, I cringe because. <laughs> They're not. Because, yeah, I mean, like, not the future of pro magic, though. That's one distinction I did not say. You know, I think it's oh, just the sure. future of, like, you know, basically what Magic Online does now, the premiere events or just challenges. You're not getting anything but money there, but it's essentially a challenge like Magic Online onto Arena. I don't think it should ever get you to the pro tour, but... Yeah, I, I think yeah. that these tournaments are awesome, and I'm with Corey. I think that this kind of stuff, especially in, in platform, is, is really huge. I mean, I'll... Well, yeah, yeah because the future the future of magic is physical magic cards. Let's fucking hope so, please. I want to. I, I want to shuffle. Talking about the future of magic is the world exploding. <laughs> Should I hear stone. about fucking aliens? By the way, <laughs> all right. Did y'all hear that article from yesterday? Real quick, no, Andrea, we're we're talking about this. Okay. I know you're a special <laughs> guest, and we should we should focus up. But like, <laughs> it's like confirmed. There's aliens now, and there's wait an alien. what. I'm not kidding. There's an article in MSN about an Israeli guy that like whistle blew. And I don't know if it's legit or not, but like we're so, like we we probably started the Space Force because Trump heard about this. Like that's the legit thing people are talking about. Like and there's hmm. these weird pillars showing up all over the world. It's probably it could be this huge scheme for a book or a movie or just someone fucking playing a trick on us. But if you read it and you actually believe in it, it is some weird shit going on right now. Like 2020's finale is really messed up. Sweet. Right, listen Sweet. to this other crazy thing that uh, that that has happened recently. I cut two braiding pools from my four color mid range deck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That seems crazier than aliens to me. So I think we you'll uh, never, you'll take never option B. Kind of breeding pool out of this deck. So yesterday <laughs> it took me so long to figure out the mana base to be able to have thirteen sources for Tokatli Honor Guard on turn two, as well as casting Narset and Witch's Vengeance and having a lot of green and not playing any yeah. Godless Shrine because that would mess up with Grot Spiral. So I I, I took out breeding pool. Wow. Uh, instead of doing that, I just put less Takalis on my sideboard so I can sequence them together with permanence instead of trying to get it into play on turn two all the time. So, so Takatli, you guys like just because it combos with Uro and then I guess also shuts down goblins, right? Is that am I understanding yeah, right? It's, it's pretty much it just shuts down goblins. And I did board it in oh. against Mono Green 
when I played against that. You know, they have all the ETB triggers. So, ooh, I, ooh, hey, I got I got one big thing uh, for the arena open, y'all. What do you do? You guys think since this is different than the Zendikar Rising Championship, where it's not an open deckless tournament, is there any value to like uh, different cards, or do you guys still just approach it the same way? Um, or yeah, what do you got? What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, it's, it's mostly like having a stronger, like, I think it's not about what cards you play, but more about the way you build your deck for that information. Like, uh, I was talking to Mangucci when we were doing our cyborg plans and Jund, I wanted to make sure that I had like a, a couple, a little wiggle room against all the Jund variants so that I could deviate on my cyborg plans, but you can't really do that without open deck list. So okay. like. Against one one person I played against, Jen, for example, I brought in both my negates, and against another, I had none, you know? Okay. I... Um, and so, yeah, yes and no. I mean, yes, it, that is important, but no, I don't know how to help anyone. No, I don't okay. think that is important. That's just the thing that uh, whenever I've been asking this question, I don't think it matters much uh, whether it's open decklist or not based on your decklist. Of course, it changes how you play, but I think, like... Mm -hmm. For, for the kind of deck that I play, which are always like this four-color deck, it's not like, you know, Cutie's Combo, they have to know if they play Leyline or Grafdigger's Cage, and then you adjust your sideboard for that. It's just more... Well, you're just really you're just really attacking our other special guest here, huh? Really just throwing in Karn Daggers here. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure my example are, are on point on, on this uh, Bash Bros podcast. <laughs> Thank you. you nailed yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, finally, an example that I can understand. Okay. And um, so, yeah, the I totally forgot what I was going, what I was going to say. Oh, no, 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 I have it. Sorry. I have it. I have it. I have it. I derailed. So this yeah. morning, I streamed with this deck, and Tokatli was amazing against Goblins. I actually beat three Goblins deck this morning. And uh, oh my, yeah, because like Tokatli is very hard to deal with unless they like bring in a braid or they just Shadowsku smashing it. Okay. So mm. it's just very difficult. And once it's there, you can only lose to Cranko. But, you know, you know that. So you kind of try not to lose to Cranko. And, uh, okay. and then if you just go Tokatli, like it has Apple one game. I went Tokatli and then it followed up with Uro. And then... Yeah, that's just yeah, insane. All of a sudden you have like a Primeval Titan on turn three. So do you take out Yasharn then I when you're bringing in Tokatli? Yasharn, yeah. But like the fact, that, the fact okay. that you have Uro and they can't kill it is just insane. Because like at that point you have a Tokatli that shuts them off. And you're just taking control of the game to not lose to their fair plan of, uh, you know, Horns plus Cranko. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, they still have Gem Palm, right? Like, they, this maybe they don't even leave that in, though, because that does seem pretty bad uh, if you don't have Tekatli. And even if you do, you have a lot of removal spells. Okay, so, so obviously now there's, like, the level, so now people might probably just bring in Gem Palm and, like, have more answers and etc. But maybe, you know, the... the Maybe like a few days is not gonna go enough, but I hope that uh, the cattle will be legit. And if they don't kill it, they just can't win. So I think like that this list the with like a lot of Tokatli to just always have it on turn two because on turn two it also shuts off uh, Goblin Matron that can go get a Jam Palm. So you just have to draw the Jam Palm, or it shuts off Ringleader that can tutor for Jam Palm. So it's not easy. You don't play four Jam Palm. You play like one to tutor four. But if you can tutor four, it's just one. Yeah, I will say I do like your list uh, in some ways, but having a few more answers to uh, Cranko feels like a good thing. Because if you have Tukatli down and you're protecting that, I think you still could lose to Cranko if you don't have enough ways to deal with yeah. it. I have two Witches Vengeance in the sideboard. 
that I that I yeah I, 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 yeah I know that and 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 a few extinction events, but you know mm. I'd put a fatal pushback in your deck if I were I, you. I also have a Mythos of Nithroi that I added uh, mainly to kill uh, the Horn. Uh, I didn't have it at the mm. PT. Both me and Brad played with zero Mythos. We just didn't think it was good in the mirror. Like people were like, "Oh, Mythos is good; it kills Nisa," but. The damage is kind of done at that point already. Like Nisa made a three-three, it gained you two mana, and uh, and okay. you have to pay three in your turn to kill Nisa, so you can't deploy your. I don't know. It's a, it's always like I think Ethergas is more efficient than uh, than Mythos. It really did look great to me when I saw it from Tomash. Um, you know, uh, throughout the matches that I covered of them. But you know, I it was interesting to hear your guys' reasoning to not play it. But yeah, of course, if you go Nissa untap and negate <laughs> then it's bad but there were plenty of times where he just got people pretty good i think even you once andrea where it just went nissa went to untap and then it just got mythos maybe that wasn't you um and and you know the game was completely changed because of it well but couldn't, couldn't august have done that similarly uh i mean it just could have got cast again you know yeah but like the, the fact that it actually got step, killed was it's important. like it buys you so much time I mean, I I understand yeah. what you mean. I obviously we're talking about you know a Maestro Post type of card, so it can never be too bad. Like mm -hmm. kills a permanent, but it's just that uh, yeah. you were replacing it. I think like it was all the fatal pushes. Like now that I just I'm happy to cut fatal pushes. I have I have another slots to have better removal spells. Better. In my opinion, okay. the only other thing that people really did that was interesting was like Matt Sperling's playing to fairy. Did you guys ever consider that? That's nonsense. It that is all like the, that. That's like a. I don't know that it was crazy to see only one crisis and two Teferis because it just feels like your deck. I don't even want all four Nissas in the mirror, so I don't even want to have more five drops. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I think we pretty much talked about um everything. Andrea, you got anything else to add here before we do the casting crew? I want to say that it was a privilege and an honor to be part of the uh, Bash Bros podcast. I always wanted to be, you know, uh, on the same level of speciality as uh, uh, Brian Brown doing. So it, it is a it is a an honor and a privilege. Well, to be fair, you were the you were the special guest. We didn't actually invite Brian for this week, but just uh, don't whoa, don't whoa, tell him. Okay. It was an honor and a privilege <laughs> to be this week's special guest, and I, I gotta say thanks, guys, for having me on the cast. It meant a lot. Yeah, Brian, oh, it, very it, welcome. Was, it was a pleasure. It was an honor and a privilege for me too to be the special guest of this weekend. <laughs> All right, well, before, uh, Andrea, before, odds are odds are that you're going to be bringing more listeners into this episode than we have, but. For those of you that don't know who Andrea is, could you please uh, tell us where any of your content and where you can be found on a weekly basis? Yeah, you can find my uh, me on Twitter at, at Mangu09, Mangu09, even on Instagram, same handle. Uh, I am uh, pretty prolific with social media. I really like to just post about, uh, you know, my life, my cube, my 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 cuisine. Food? Uh, Your food. My, my oh, food. yeah. And, so uh, and then I also stream every day, every every. Italian morning, which is, uh, I guess, uh, Brett sometimes hopping to my stream. Uh, it's during midnight for you, right, Brett? Yeah. Yeah, it starts yeah it's around midnight. I'll, I'll stop in and say yeah, hi. Yeah, it starts at midnight. And um, yeah, I write for Channel Farble, uh, which is CFB Pro weekly and make my legacy videos on YouTube. Really like lots of content. My whole life is basically magic. So there's definitely, you know, some places you can you can see or read about me. 
Well, you crush it, man. And I, I watch a lot of your content and stuff. And, you know, we've uh, gotten to know each other over the years and stuff. And you are definitely a great ambassador for the game. So, you know, I, I got to say, just just thank you for being you, man. You're the, you're the shit. And also congrats to you and also Brad for your performance last week as well. Just to throw thank you. Thank there. you very much. We never mentioned how lucky we got, Brad. Oh, oh yeah, yeah you we suck it on breakers. We took seventh and eighth. Yeah, we took seventh and eighth on tiebreakers. <laughs> Only because like <laughs> yeah, IDs were not allowed and the exact people lost, and it was just insane. Well, I <laughs> thought I was like 90% to get there in the last round if I if I won, okay. but I didn't even consider you had a chance. <laughs> I went to And then when you said I got in, I was like, what the hell yeah, is happening? I went to bed. Like I finished my match against Luis Salvato and I went to bed. And wow! Well, and then you had to wake your parents. Yeah, <laughs> to and tell then, them that you and then I'm anyway. like on the phone. Maybe I make it in and etc. And then you receive a screenshot. Then I'm eighth. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Better insane. lucky than good. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for being on uh, this week's episode. Hopefully, we'll have you back again. Uh, we know that you love listening to us, and we love having you around and hanging out in our Discord. So. Thanks for supporting us. And without that, uh, we'll let you go to sleep or go play magic or whatever or you go do. Dinner, night. dinner. My, my, my father's waiting for me. Dinner. Oh, oh, oh get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah, go, yeah. go, go. Goodbye, everybody. Peace out, buddy. Bye. See ya. <laughs> All right, y'all. And here it's time for the best part of the podcast. Okay, maybe not the best since we just lost Andrea and he, and he was awesome. <laughs> Wait, you, but, still, um, you guys still have a special guest here. What's the, <laughs> pro, what's the big deal? I mean, come Sorry. on. Sorry, <laughs> you're right. We still got all we need here. So the casting crew is everybody who supports us at a certain tier and uh, gets a nice shout out at the end. If you want to be on the casting crew, you can head over to patreon.com slash Bass Bros Podcast, maybe. Right, bro? That is correct. It's just all right. some, it's, all it is is just cheap exploitation. You pay us and we give you a job. So exactly yeah, yeah. And, and, we, and we talk about you it's called exposure that's Ooh. how that's how you you pay us in real money we pay you in exposure <laughs> yes except for yes. one person that does get exposure to uh dead ass Ooh. <laughs> wow and the person who handles all these payments of exposure is Richie. And that is our first member of the cast and crew. And that is the Bash Bros accountant has been writing a lot of checks for said exposure, but we have not really brought in money to cover the exposure costs though. Yeah, write a lot of checks that uh, that the, what is it? The ass can't cash, the mouth that can't the cash. That ass can't cash, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up is we have Opa, who is our research director now. Uh, we always want, you know, we, we we need a lot of data to figure out the analytics behind all of the exposure and the market shares of, you know, deviating profit lines. You know, just that's what Oppo does. <laughs> I actually got, just got a message from uh, from Oppo saying that asses don't cash checks. Oh. He, did, he did the research, found out that that's something that they don't do. He also mm. did a lot of research on things that they do do, and I do not want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be your best joke ever. Wow. Wappa. That was so good. Wappa oh, is good. Brad's personal barista, um, and also Dog Walker. However, 
explicitly for some reason stated that I'm not involved in any of that. So just offensive, right? Really just, aggressive. But yeah, I, just very aggressive. You know what? I've been ignoring that and I've been drinking the coffee. Gotta say, Wapa, you gotta tone it down. Too many beans in there. Oh, a little too strong, huh? Yeah, a little too much. <laughs> Brian uh, likes his coffee like he likes having sex on a boat. Lightly? Water down. Too uh, fucking <laughs> close to water. It's not even That's true. All... It's not even true at yeah. all. I drink straight black coffee. I don't eat the bean. Brad's coffee is eat just eating beans. <laughs> but then putting cream on it's it. Then putting cream like, on it. Some moisture inside of a bean. I like to take <laughs> the juice from the beans into uh, you know what getting too deep. I, I'm more I'm more on the side of Brad there. I I like some strong coffee as well. So I like strong right, coffee too. I don't like insanity coffee. Anyway, you just have to be you just have to be nice to the beans and stroke the beans, and then you'll get the bean juice, Brian. Oh, I see. <laughs> doing it all wrong. Is that what Wapa does? Well, weird. All right. Anyways, <laughs> next up, we got Adham. Adham is our ghost writer. There's been a lot of hauntings around on the Bash Bros podcast office, and Adham has been doing all the stories having to do with every particular ghost that's been in the office. Yeah, and, and, and is working on our new classic called The Haunting of uh, Bash Bros Manor. <laughs> yeah. yeah yes. It's, it's, it's going to make us rich, filthy rich. Adham, you better get on it. So is, mm-hmm. is that why mm-hmm. I've been visited by the ghost of Christmas past like five times in the last week? <laughs> <laughs> no, Brian, I think you should uh, you should get that checked out. Gotcha. You might have a brain tumor or something. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, next up, we've got David Watt, who uh, just did, just knocked it out of the damn park this week with Agreed. our special guest screening. Agreed. Just knocked out of the park. Unbelievable. Yeah, Andrea Amazing. was so good. Andrea yeah. was so good. Yeah. Sorry. My name is Brian. Oh, oh, that's right, David. You did, uh, you did double book this time. So let's, uh, let's get that, let's get that a little bit better. As long as we can hear Andrea's voice, you know, we're fine with it. Okay, you should have recorded him, Brad, with your with your voice box shenanigans. You, you fool! Oh, that is a punt. That is yeah, a punt. absolute fool. <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to have to fucking do this shit anymore. That is right. <laughs> Fortunately, David Watt didn't triple book us with Gino Batista because originally mm. Gino was supposed to be the special guest this week. However, uh. um, if you've been following along, you might know that Gino actually uh, broke out of prison last week along with his brother and four other inmates. And we thought he's free. Maybe he'll be on the cast this week. Not true. So we actually got mm. a severed doll head in the mail from, Not again. From Gino Batista via Carrier Pigeon, stating that <laughs> he's coming for us. Uh, believes that he set. He believes that we set him up to go to prison what? in the first place, so that we could get Brian Brown doofed in for that week's episode as a special guest. I want to say that's not true at all, but that's what he believes. So yeah, should we be should we be frightened at this point? Like this this is starting to get a little serious. We should you should be about as scared as somebody would be if they were visited five times in one week by the ghost of Christmas past. That's the level. Yeah, that is pretty scary. And honestly, we're gonna need someone to just really document all these scary things that's going on in Brian's life. And that's up to Paul Cat. Sarowski, oh, and yeah. that is BBD's wall staring photographer. BBD has been staring at Wallace, thinking that they're ghosts for the last week. 
And uh, thank God Paul has been there to really capture these, you know, basically insanity moments. But, you know, we, we feel for you, BBD. That's my favorite moment of this podcast because I've been wanting a Diet Pepsi for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> but if I were to pre-crack one, that would be anathemus to the you know to this podcast. Yeah, Nakama, what 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 was that word uh maybe max has that going on because uh max is Corey's linguist li, lingui, <laughs> linguistic coach we'll schedule a session with you, you brad uh, yeah. <laughs> Good job update. max is Corey and brad's linguistic coach that was intentional mm. oh sure it was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> likely 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 mm. it was all mm. right well, what was not intentional was Phil. <laughs> Phil <All right>. is <laughs> a guy we love to have around. Yeah. Cast and crew. Look, we could just give Phil a job. Phil's just kind of walking around the office. We don't even have, have an office. We got JP. We don't have an office. Phil's just walking around. <laughs> well, our backyard, our office, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? You guys really need to up your office space if you're using your backyard as your office. Oh, Phil does. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Occupy backyard, aka Occupy with Phil. Next up, we got JP. And, uh, you know, JP just could not figure out what Phil did. So we actually, instead of giving Phil a job that would relegate JP's job, we then just promoted JP to BBP general manager. But since JP couldn't actually generally manage <laughs> Phil, JP is really not on to a great start with his job. Yeah, he's actually you're kind right, of more you're, of you're, very, you're very right, Brian. If we don't delete the, the uh, transitions, we just keep saying them. <laughs> 100%. What, yes. what do you mean? What do you mean? That's Adam who wrote all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up is Jason Fleuron, who is Corey's nemesis. Now, the reason that that is that because Corey beats the crap out of Jason every time they play, and they have played quite a few times in the Bash Bros Battles tournaments. Now, for all of you patrons, thank you for all your support. We will not be having a tournament this month since there's so many other busy things going on, but we yep. will at the beginning of January. I'll have to figure out exactly that date. And I want to have a little fun with it and try this gladiator format. So, uh, ask Ooh, or the end of January the or the end of January when the new set comes out, bro. That's a, that's a rough one to f- compete with. <laughs> uh, what? Kel time comes out in January. So that's, that's brutal to want to play that fun one when we get a new set, you know? Why? Well, I mean, new set standard is usually really, really fun if we do that week we'll, one, but, but we'll get that. Yeah. We'll get that later too. Yeah. We'll figure it out. All right. Never mind. Forget what I said. We're in. (laughs) All right. And then we got Sultan Abbasi. That is our designated mana dork. Uh, When this podcast ramps up, it is in special thanks to Sultan Abbasi. And I believe this week, I'm going to give a nod to uh, Skirk Prospector. That is is a good mana dork for this week. Yeah, that is that is a good one. Yeah, it's definitely not Mox Amber because Karn already shut that down. Yes, he did. (laughs) Yes, he did. (laughs) Next up, we got Eric Nall. And Eric Nall at this point is just, you know, on a whole nother level. Actually, a whole nother planet even. Right now, Eric Nall is just the lost trash of Uranus. So 
Yeah. All right. Next up, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy, who is our merch store manager, and I gotta say, now we just sent out our um, new shirts to most of you. Uh, somebody just sent in sent an address, so I'll have to get that out here soon. But for most of you, shirts should be out. No one said anything about getting them yet. But uh, the cool thing is, is one of the shirts is kind of so fucking cool that, you know, I kind of want to start selling it in our store. So we got to talk about talk with Garamaldi and see if that's fair. And, yeah, it's uh, so sweet. It's so sweet. If it is, I want to start selling it because it is awesome. But we're not going to spoil that just yet. We're going to let the, the two people that are on our highest tier and wonderful supporters uh, do the honor for us in the discord. So love it. All right, next up, we got Patrick. That is our office party coordinator. And I've got to say, Patrick, your 1918 through 1920 theme parties have been killing it lately. And I mean that literally. <laughs> Whoa. Fucked up, man. <laughs> I agree. Uh, here we go. I think I'm going to need Max, uh, you know, in advance for this one. But next up, we got Filippos Galanis. And we got a job update. And uh, I hate it. I really hate it. Um, Filippo Galanis is now the acceptable standardization supervisor handling organizational lethargy excellence. I mean, the fuck is that? That was a good job, Corey. Thank you. Thank you. Those are big words. I see the joke, right? I don't get it. Okay. What? Check the first letter of each word. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it's deep. Oh yeah. my God! Wow. Okay. We'll we'll let people absorb that one themselves. But yeah, that's good. That, yeah. We wanted to get off the Aspros podcast stuff and really focus <laughs> on being, you know, more of a respected podcast that doesn't just say butt jokes. And we did it. We did we it. We did it. We did it. Yeah. Yes, with the acceptable standardization <laughs> super, uh, supervisor handling organizational lethargy excellence. <laughs> Oh, and, man. and for people who aren't familiar with like jargon um in the business world that position basically means Aspro's podcast liaison <laughs> oh yes of course maybe we can just abbreviate it and just say the Aspro's podcast liaison then from now on huh yeah, Filippo's <laughs> Galatus is an asshole alright <laughs> next up we got Laura who is our one our only CEO and uh, I just gotta say that you seem like you are ma- mismanaging this company getting ready for uh just, you know, uh, jumping off ship and getting a new and better job. It yeah. feels like we are circling the fucking drain here. Oh, you've run us, down. You've run us into the ground, Laura. You have run yeah. us into the ground. For <laughs> personal gain, of course. Yes, yes. yes. We got to respect him for that. Our and assholders are probably also very happy, though. Someone who has not run me into the ground but can't speak can't say the same for the other two is Victor. That is our executive producer who deals with everything produce related. Someone that definitely has run BBD into the ground is our <laughs> resident doctor. And that is our resident proctologist here that has been giving BBD four exams a day for the last two months. And BBD has really just had it. But you know what? Safety first. You're getting to that age. We really wanted to make sure everything's safe down there for you, BBD. <laughs> yeah. Oh, are the ghosts that you're seeing the ghosts of lunch? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just a bad, it's always sunny joke. Oh. Like, what's a fart? A ghost of lunch? <laughs> mm. 
Okay, yeah, it was bad. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Just don't do the silent treatment on me. Okay. Okay. Okay, don't do it, guys. Come on. All right. All right. Everyone, and that's the episode here from the Bash Bros podcast. Usually we, music, we don't Usually we don't like to end on such a shitty joke. We usually like to end on the shitty job, but you know what? Brad had other plans. So hey, Brad, take us home. You son of a <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.